Looks like you've been missing a lot of work lately. I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. The f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down shining in. Well, right by Stacks and Jackson. Tomorrow, Matt Burn on the board. SP Futures up six. NASDAQ Futures down three. Uh, so we're, we're waiting for the uh, CPI number, which will be 730. The. Uh, so that's where we are there. Do we have Mr. Kevin? Doing you have Mr. Kevin, and I am yeah. so excited for that CPI number. Well, you know, Kevin, it's sort of like uh, sort of like what happened to you. You know, you were big man on campus, BMOC, as they used to call them, for that's a real right. long time. The CPI number was the, the sacred number, along with the money supply number. And then it would disappear for like 40 years. Nobody even knew where it was. And all of a sudden, it's... Big man on campus again. Same thing happened to you. All of a sudden, you're big again. I'm, uh, I used to be big, and I'm big again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on it goes the, around, you know, it's, around. It's the reunion <laughs> tour type of thing. Yeah, it's a, so now it's big again. Now, we can't wait to see the CPI number, and for years, if I even mentioned it, of course, our, our current Fed president doesn't think that our schmucks are priv- should be privy to the money supply number, only the insiders. But if you're going to trade on it, you got only the right people should trade on this stuff. Kevin, we know that. The, the the problem with uh, insider trading is the wrong people get it. Not the right people are supposed to get it. It's the club, Tom. It's you the, know this the club. is this is, um, and it's hard to crack it if you're outside the Ivy League. You might get in with a little Stanford pedigree or something like that, but uh, but by and large. Um, you know that is the uh, you know do the prep school route, do the uh, um, do the uh, Ivy League route, and you know what? It doesn't matter if you're a complete dullard. You're in the club. You'll always be good. You're like uh, was it Geithner? Every time he had a rough year in school, the old man would get him like a a better job with a Supreme Court justice or no, I don't know, Supreme Court justice, but a, like a senator to be a you know a summer schmuck. Just to prove what he could do if he actually, you know, applied himself, he ended up being what head of the Federal Reserve or something, something. Or he was head of the, of the uh, New York uh, Fed. Wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he like Treasury Secretary yeah, yeah. for Obama, the Obama yeah. administration? Yeah. yeah. It's just uh, the Peter Principle going awry, as they say. Um, oh, it doesn't go awry; it just goes. <laughs> well, you know, you're right. It's funny because I mean, uh, you and I—I'm sure people know—are both graduates of uh, Notre Dame, and there's a there's a good 
I use the term club there, but it's pretty much internal. Um, I know the, uh, my, my man Greg, who's an uh, attorney dude, and he went to Loyola, which is probably, you know, maybe half a step down. Loyola DePaul uh, type of thing in, in terms of its academic prestige, yeah. Eh, well, just in terms in ter- of the quality, in terms of the quality of education, it's probably a, oh, every same. bit as good, oh, without if a not doubt. better. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, but I mean, he says that there's a there's a book. If you go, I don't know if you go online, it must be online. I don't know if he publishes it. He said, if you're a Notre Dame dude and uh, you have a legal case in Iowa, there's a list of Notre Dame people from the Notre Dame Law School in Iowa, and you call that guy in that town you're going to that does the kind of work you're doing, and that's that's your your dude out of town. I mean, it, the connection is is strong in that regard. But it's well, it's, and one of the big Notre Dame benefits, Tom, is that it does have a national alumni base, right? Um, like like a lot of the prestigious schools. So you know, would 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 you be in the club with the uh, um, the Ivy Leaguers? No, no, no. You're in the Notre but, Dame club. You're but in the Notre Dame you, club. But but you know, we got a, we got a pretty good club of our own. But that doesn't mean you and I lurked around the halls of Congress during between junior and senior year. We didn't Correct. do any of that. We don't know anybody did that. No, you know what we did. We, you know, got a job we doing. Did, we we did real work. Well, I was I was a janitor. But <laughs> as far down, maybe I didn't even I didn't even get to sweep up Congress. I was sweeping up schools. <laughs> anyway, uh, so my my jalopy is in the is in the shop. But then again, everything that happens. Uh, Kevin, as you well as you well know, is an opportunity to learn. So I did the Uber thing this morning, and I got some very nice fellow, beautiful, nice car, spotless, and it was like you know, fourteen bucks or something from home. And uh, guy was right on schedule, and blah blah blah. Matter of fact, that t- that hour in the morning, you can't call him. You know, within like has to be within like five minutes when you want to leave because they're there in like four or five minutes. So you can't like say, well, I'll call him before I wander into the shower. Otherwise, he'd be running out of the front door all wet. Uh, so the guy, evidently Uber, when he started four or five years ago, Uber used to take 15% of the ride. Now guess how much they take? 22. 30. <laughs> Try 70 to 75. Wow. 75, wow. Why yeah. would anybody do that job? I, when I guess so if they're taking 70% of your $14 ride, means that, what, that guy give you a ride for... Um, 350 or something? For, yeah, 354 bucks. Oh, and I, dump, I gave him a tip, obviously. Well, I mean, I, I sent in a tip. I probably just give him cash. Uh, but, I mean, you're, that's, you're, you're down to... Hell, when I drove a cab years ago, you split the meter and you, and you kept the tips. Mm. That was, you know, a long time ago. And he said, yeah, we don't want... He'd be happy with a split, but with the with the construction right now, he says it's hard. People want to go to here. He cancels on him because the, the trip will be sixty dollars, and he gets like fifteen or fourteen. And he goes, and no, he has to crawl through it. He so says it's, it's two hours. Price, so it's two yeah. hours back and forth for fourteen bucks. Now maybe the guy loses him a twenty percent tip. It's another twelve bucks, so he's up to twenty six. But that, that that doesn't cut it. These guys all have pretty new cars. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, I could see Uber as a side hustle, maybe, and you pick your times, like on the weekends or something. You know, if you're if you're like me and you live in a, a college town area, you want to be the uh, Uber on Friday night, you know, <laughs> Saturday well, night. But if you're, I said, what if it's a, uh, you know, snowing and the price still here is two hundred bucks? He goes, yeah, we we'll get, we'll get fifty or forty. And I said, you're skidding around in your own car, and if you whack into somebody, it's all on you. He goes, yeah. There's the deal. Uh-huh. You know, it's worth mentioning. Uh, there's a, there's an app. Uh, it's like Uber, but it's for taxis. 
It's called Curb. And so it, it syncs you up with uh, taxis in your area instead of Uber drivers. So I think they're a little bit more, you know, quality drivers, I would say, more consistent. Uh, but also, yeah, they get to, get to split, split, split the meter at the end. So well, I've had to do yeah, Uber deal for them. With, with jalopy in a garage probably uh, four times in the last five years. And every time the guy was terrific, the car was clean, the guy oh, was yeah. right on time. I mean, I mean, not that the cab wouldn't. I'm sure he would be. I'm oh, just, yeah. I'm saying it. It just so happens. <laughs> I, I, oh, God, I hate to even say stuff like this. I bought a reconditioned phone, phone and the Uber was already on it. And that's how I found out that the, the, the guy must have, that I bought the phone from must have been Indiana because they always want to start me from central Indiana, Kevin. So oh. that must have been the... It must <laughs> have been the... the All homes. roads. It's <laughs> the crossroads of America, Tom. This <laughs> was down by Indy, though. It was like... Yeah. So they always start me out with a, like a 300-mile drive, and I go, no, 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 that's not where I'm starting from. Anywho, so that's... Well, there there must be a way to change the defaults. Uh, <laughs> well, there, there there probably is, but when I use it once every five months, if, uh, you know, it's easy enough just to type in my address, but... Yes, I'm sure there is a way, Kevin. There's always a way. But see, you, you guys that know all this stuff, you're always like, heh, heh, you know, there are guys that don't. What can I tell you? If I used it every Luddites. day, I'd figure it out. To you, Luddites is what, 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 what we're talking but about. But you know, it's like, it's like all, all the young guys who used to, used to tell me, you know, you, you could never program your TV thing. You know what? If you read the instructions and you went through it, there's a logic to it. I'm not that dumb. If I did it four days in a row, I'd be okay, I'd be okay with it forever. But you do it once every five years. How are you going to remember it? No, you don't. Just That's why they have the instructions. That's why you have the instructions. Well, now they don't give you instructions with, like, phones and stuff. They just give you the phone. It's like, just, okay. go on, just go online. Oh, yeah. Well, they got to teach you how to go just online. Just go online right? and search. Oh, God. Anyway. It's probably, it's probably video that says, here, watch this. Now pause it and go do it. They still have those books of, like, cell phones for dummies? Uh, they might. Those things were great. They might. I don't think I ever needed that one. Well, you probably didn't, but there was a huge shelf. It was like economics for dummies, all kinds of stuff. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. these guys. No, still I, right. I think the dummy stuff is uh, it is the dummy series is all well, out the, there. The dummies yeah. are still here. So iPhone for seniors and for dummies. It says right here. Uh, I'm good for both of those, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was say, perfect. Say, mm, double perfect double victory. How about hover seniors and dummies? <laughs> <laughs> So we have the the big numbers coming out uh, today, Kevin. What what are you seeing on the inflation front? And I just, um, as you know, my my attitude is that they, uh, I think that the discussion on this inflation is is really all wrong. It should be a totally different discussion. Uh, maybe not different, but they should add to it. I I think, of course, now this bulge in the money supply the last few weeks might kick me off my my topic here, but uh, I think for the, for the last year or so, the quote rate of inflation has settled down to something maybe a little more than we'd like, but but not horrible. It's, it's still filtering through the services uh, to a huge extent, and where you're seeing people switching jobs or so. I mean, you hear about what people are spending for uh, like a new window in their house or something. People are just gouging the hell out of them. I mean, you know, if you're like some older couple and you need a couple new windows and call somebody who advertises. <clears throat> you know, we're talking, you know, thousands of hours, which shouldn't be thousands of hours, but nobody knows and nobody's around. So you, you're getting that. I, don't, I wouldn't call that inflation. I'd call that gouging. But I'm saying the general, the general level of uh, the, the change, inflation is the, the rate of change in prices, okay? So I, I think that has tamed down, all right? That's like the second derivative of the curve. However, 
I think the last four years, Kevin, has left us with a price level that really is eviscerating most of the population, which is a, a totally different subject. And I, I think the few people on this sh- talk on the show were the only people that have ever mentioned that. It's it's not the inflation rate, although it's nice to get the rate down, okay. But if you got it down to two percent, one percent, if you got it down to zero, you still have this problem, and nobody that it's it's never addressed. I mean. How hey, can we get it addressed? Or are people just going to wake up and realize it? Or they want to ignore it? Or what, what do they want to do? Well, and, and in the eyes of the average person, we still have inflation. I, you, you can say the rate has slowed. You can say anything you want. But it is as you described it, that it, we are at intolerable price levels for average families. Right. And, the, you know, how do you get out from under that? Well, you either have prices fall, hardly ever happens in general, you know, for certain commodities, it goes up, it goes down. By the way, I noticed gasoline is way up lately. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, that's because um, of the- so so that's going to refuel to an extent, but but in or or real wages have to outpace that rate of inflation, and so maybe we'll catch up if we can hold the hold it steady at two percent or less, and then get some real wage uh, increases. Maybe in the next ten to twelve years, we can catch up. I that's about where we are. That's exactly where we are. I don't know, what you, but you just said, how many people today in this country could articulate what you just did? Or what would want to? Well, at least two. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and me. Because that, that's, and I don't, I don't see, I'm going to say there was, in my lifetime, there was one time where we're wage, if you had a cost of living adjustment, which wasn't everybody, by the way, because I didn't, if you had one of those, the only time that I think you outpaced inflation was maybe 1970, late 79 to 80, maybe 81 or something, where the inflation actually had dropped down, but because the CPI, even if, even if the people are honest there, which I don't think they are anymore, uh, it has such a delayed piece to it that it was percolating through with inflation, uh, maybe in 81, say, when there really wasn't any. And I think that some people in, in some of the unions, uh, and these, I'm not talking about public employee unions, I'm talking about regular unions in those days, that had cost of living adjustments on their salaries, actually made out better if you, if you looked at the real inflation. But I mean, we're talking about a period from 1968 to 1982 when this all happened, and maybe some per- some percentage of the workforce got the better of it for 12 to 18 months over the entire period, which never put them even, Kevin. Not to mention the fact you'd be a jumped, your your cost of living increase jumped a uh, a uh, at least one or t- well, I won't say at least two, but maybe one or two uh, tax brackets. So you always and 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 I don't. I really don't I, don't. I don't get the thing that is the most debilitating to this whole mess, and with all the, the the fights between the right and the left, and the this and the socialist and the you know whatever and this and that. Nope, not one person seems to be bright enough or has the has the balls enough to say the biggest the biggest beneficiary from inflation is the government. By by any stretch, they're the biggest stretch. They're 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 the biggest beneficiary. And yet, when was when, other than me and a couple of guys here, who even who even is, has the has the has the stones to say that? I mean, I, you know, 
We are just no, nobody who wants an interview with uh, uh, with officials. Well, that's truth. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it, it, just in the in the in the very least. I mean, I it was funny. Carl was on uh, on uh, Monday because he wasn't on Friday, given the uh, uh, you know, the labor report, and he was talking how people uh, in the matter of fact, I would love your comment on that, Kevin, because I don't think you were able to pine in with him, or you weren't because John was on. Uh, he was talking about people making. Well, I'm going to get these uh, uh, tax brackets up here, just as a, as a very simple thing. I'm good at this. This computer stuff. Uh, the <laughs> like Rain Man saying you're an excellent driver. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. It's just very much so. The uh, uh, here, I'll, I'll go to here. Now, now, does this mean I'm a nerd? I'm going to nerd wallet here to mm. find this stuff. Uh, anyway, smoke this fire. Here, but here's the ta- here's the one that's the kicker. If you're somebody who uh, is on the, we'll say, won't even say lower middle class, from zero to ten thousand, two twenty-five, your tax rates, ten percent. Okay, so now, but now, of course, you can take deductions in there for yourself and all that kind of BS. But then, from ten to forty, it's twelve percent. But here, here's the, here's the jumping-off spot. From twelve percent, from uh, once you get over forty-one thousand to ninety, it's now twenty-two percent. So if you're making forty, and five years later, the inflation has been forty percent, and you get a thirty percent raise, that 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 other thirty percent is now taxed at twenty two and not twelve, even though you're you're not you're still not ahead of the game. You're 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 still a lap behind in the swimming meet. Now you're paying another ten percent to the government. So, just that one small adva- example, I think, would let. It's it's pretty. You can, it's hard to argue that the government's a winner on this, right? Okay, keep going. And but the thing that Carl was, uh, and boy, I never want to. The the, the in, your instinct is to say, people in this tax bracket, um, you know, down are making forty thousand a year or fifty thousand, are are totally getting buried by the inflation, in terms of. Uh, just about anything. I mean, you well, know, to the yeah, to the especially to the extent that you know wage inflation is taxed. Yeah, and, and what I'm saying, they, but that's the group that that if all of a sudden your cost of food goes up 15 percent and you're making 50 grand and you got four people in your family, I mean, good, you know, good luck with that. Or if the rent goes up, you know, 25 percent like it has or 30, uh, good luck with that. But I think the the thing that that people miss, and I think, boy, well going down the road is would, would people miss that uh, are always pointing to somebody else who has more money than they do and, and claims that they you know they, it's ill-gotten and they should pay more I think if you were actually you know you, you couldn't you couldn't sell a lot of these papers because nobody wants to listen but if you were to take a couple that makes between the two of them you know a deuce and a half a year 300 maybe and went and did what people do with that, you know, they bought a house in the Burbs. It cost you know four fifty, which is like a normal house in the Burbs, uh, and and has a couple of nice cars. Has you know one kid in college, two in high school, and all of a sudden this inflation hits on them, where their taxes in four years is probably going up thirty percent or something, and all and the insurance has gone up, and the price of a roof is now ninety grand or something. I don't I don't think it's you can just say it's the person making fifty grand. I I think that group. And you can say, well, they're still living in a nice place and all that stuff. And you can criticize all you want. But the fact is, you're sort of burying them, too. It's not like anybody, unless you're, you're, you're Bill Gates, and even him, the price of his 
corporate jet probably went up. He probably didn't care, but it, but it has gone up. I'm thinking. So it does. It affects everybody. If any, and, and even the even if, I mean, uh, once in a while we go to a, a nice restaurant, maybe in Burr Ridge or someplace, and we have a couple of buddies that maybe will take us. You know, not that we don't pay, we do, but I mean, I, you know, you, you can't get out of there now. Three years ago, it was sixty bucks a person, and now it's seventy-five or ninety. You know, for a couple of glasses of wine and dinner and appetizer. I mean, it, it's it's that's why you know you go once every couple of months, but it's not. To, to say that, that people are making 250 grand are totally immune to this, it, it, and to a certain extent, it might affect them more because they're the ones that actually are trying to buy the new car at, at well, 75 grand. certainly on a percentage basis. It yeah. does. Because, I mean, they're the ones that are, I use the term, used to a new car, but I mean, I, how, do you, how do you even go there? I was talking to the guy who works in the engineering in the building yesterday, talking about he got a, somebody dinged his truck a little bit, and he's like, I'm, I'm never going to be able to afford a new pickup truck. Never. I mean, uh, we're talking about the entire... But now people that, you know, I, I would guess that... I mean, uh, for like for Audrey, uh, I mean, she didn't buy a new car, but she bought a relatively new car because hers was... But that's her livelihood. And she she has to have something decent. She goes, picks somebody up, drives them around. She can't be driving, driving an old jalopy. I mean, really? I mean, 75 grand for a new one or something like that? Or 65? I mean, that's... I mean, her, her uh, she had a, one of those uh, Cadillacs she just got rid of, the, the, the official uh, the Cadillac SUV, which, like, every real estate person has. Uh, well, I mean, if she went and bought one of those new now, what are they, 80? I mean, that, that's a little rich. It is a little rich. And, uh, it, again, I, I don't think any, you know, when people are, start reporting things like, um, you know, the rate, uh, the rate of inflation, you know, Percentages are fine. Yeah, um, it's it's you know it is one data point, but it is not the only one. And I we we just really, I, I think the biggest issue is that people don't understand the difference between data and information. So they get so hung up on the data, um, and uh, and and either celebrating it or decrying it. It it doesn't matter. Um, the, the idea that you put it into some kind of sequence, that you give it some kind of context. I mean, we lived this in the, uh, you know, in, in the media reporting on COVID cases and COVID deaths. No, you know, seldom did we get stratification by age or stratification by uh, more comorbidities and things like that. Seldom did we get that perspective. It was just, hey, we, we hit the 600,000th death, death today. Yeah, yeah. The biggest, scariest number, without any any context, without any uh, uh, grasp of what excess mortality was, uh, in general, uh, in society, and and it, it we we it, it's such a simple concept, the difference between data information and knowledge, and and yet it is totally lost in <laughs> excuse, excuse me, totally lost in media reporting. Did the, did the federal government just lap something? They poison you or something? <laughs> like, I think yes. You know, they 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 heard. They're listening and they, and have been poisoned. So, um, you know, I think I can make it to the break though. God, well, you know, I, I get a load of this. I I go to well, I take my truck in yesterday, and you know, you know, your truck's getting old when you're replacing the same part twice. You don't mind doing it the first <laughs> time, but so I say to my guy, I go, right, I think I'm, I think it's time to get a newer one. You know, should I get one? You know, a little newer? And he goes, No, don't get a, one a little newer. And this is a, this is a '99. It's a suburban, and he, and he says, uh, "Get one, find one the same year or a couple of years older that 
just happened to be some old dude who's driving or something that's got, you know, a third as many miles on it because you've driven this thing every day for seven years. I said, why do I want to do that? He goes, well, the new, the new motors, well, not new anymore, the 5.3, 6.0 liter, because they have something, he, he, he gave me the name of it, but I actually looked it up, and, of course, I forgot the, the symbols. It actually has a, a, a thing in there to save gas. Half of the cylinders will shut off when, you're not, when they're not needed. So like at idle or if you're, if you're cruising along at 30 miles an hour, it, you know, in a level spot, they'll cut off. And he goes, the problem with that is, is if uh, something were to fire, one of the injectors were to go off, if you blow one of those pistons, he goes, you got to rebuild the whole engine. I believe they're called pistons, Tom. Pistons, yeah. By the way, we saw Angelica the other day. She might be coming yeah, back. Yeah, I heard one, you talking about that. She might be coming back one day a week. I said, how are you doing on your sports? Now I've totally forgotten the time. I'll have to learn it again. I said, but you never did learn it. <laughs> so, 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 so I said, so how, how much, if one of these engines, is, if I buy one of these things, how much to, re, to re, repair the engine? Guess what the number was? What was it? Nine grand. Wow. I was, let me get this straight. I'm going to go pay nine grand for a car, and if the engine bleeps up, i got to pay nine grand for a, a rebuild it? Well, yeah. I'm going. <laughs> so, yeah, Angelique, real quick, because we got to go break. I said, you know... You were never so hot on, uh, on sports. He goes, well, I don't like sports. I said, well, you weren't, you weren't so hopping on traffic either because you don't know where the streets are. She goes, but I was pretty good on the weather. I made up for it on the weather. <laughs> you, know, you can't, whatever. On average. Whatever on it is, average, she nailed it. <laughs> but here, here's, a, here's a, I don't know if I should say this on the air, but she went, I told you she went out and did some, some, somebody took her to a shooting range. And she didn't, this only first or second time she's ever shot a gun, right? I said, how'd you do it? She goes, well, I did a lot better when I kept thinking that the target was a Russian. <laughs> uh, focused anger goes along. Oh, way without a life, doubt. Doesn't it? Yes, SP Futures up five, DSA Futures down four. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 
8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold. The idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right there, right there. Hello, Rope X, Tyson Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Burn on the board. SP Futures up 475. Nasdaq Futures down 550. Dow Futures up 61. Most of that is Home Depot's up a buck 23, and we've got uh, Goldman Sachs up a buck 88. That's pretty much it. Everything else is. Uh, well, Caterpillar's up 90 cents, just no, no red, really, just a little bit of green. The numbers come out in, uh, in one hour. Uh, over in Europe, we have the uh, DAX up 32.2%, the FTSE up 46.6%, pretty good run there. Kek around up 26.4%. So they've been they've been muted to the upside here for a little bit. They're, they've been pretty strong. Uh, Nikkei up 159.6%, Hang Seng down 175.9%, 20,309 Still over 20,000. Shanghai is up 13.4%. Still, the amount of days where the Hang Seng and the Shanghai are going different directions is kind of interesting lately. I don't know if there's, a, if there's anything to read into that, just that it's happening. Yesterday, the Dow was up 98, the SP down 17 cents, and NASDAQ down 52. So, a very slow, waffly sort of day. Uh, bonds uh, unchanged at 3.44. The Bund unchanged 2.31. Japan up two basis points to 0.47. So not much going on there. We will today, after, after this uh, number comes out, we'll probably make some kind of move. Uh, oil down nine cents, eighty-one forty-four. Brent down two cents, eighty-five fifty-nine. Natural gas up three cents, two twenty-two. Arbob down four cents. Wow, two eighty-two. Uh, we've got gold up six bucks, twenty twenty-five. Silver up ten cents, twenty-five twenty-nine. Copper down two cents, three ninety-nine. Under four bucks on the copper. Uh, we've got Bitcoin down two seventy-three, but still holding over thirty thousand, thirty thousand oh oh five. And the U.S. dollar, which has been getting sort of hammered, is kind of mixed today. Uh, Euro is up. Euro's up a little bit, and the, and the British pound's down a little bit. But right at 109 and 124, we're kind of the very high end of the range. Matt, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.37 a.m. on April 12, 2023. This morning, Chicago warm weather, 61 degrees currently, if you can believe it. Uh, expect sunny skies today and a high of 78. During this current minor heat wave, the National Weather Service has put a fire weather warning in effect for Cook County due to, quote, sunny, windy, very dry, and unseasonable warmth. 
which has led to an elevated fire risk it in rained, the area. It rained for two solid weeks. What happened? It's, yeah, it, it's, it's real nutty out here. Uh, keep in mind, though, the warning and the warm weather is set to come to an end with a cold front this Saturday. Right now in Phoenix, clear skies, 69 degrees currently, a high of 94 later on. Sunny skies for the current seven-day forecast. The MLB uh, yesterday, Cubs beat Mariners. Final score, 14-9. to They were down 7-1. That's right. Back against each other today at Wrigley. Game starts at 1-20 this afternoon. White Sox lost to Twins, 4-3. Rematch in Minneapolis at 12-10. And Diamondbacks lost against Brewers, 7-1. Both are back today at 2-40. And last night in the NBA, Hawks beat Heat, 116-105. And Lakers went against Timberwolves, 108-102. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. The, uh, the, these, Kevin, do you have any idea how to, what these, these, uh, how this play-in tournament works for the NBA? The Hawks are, or the Bulls are playing tonight, and if they win, they play the winner of, I think, the Hawks Heat game or something, which would be the Hawks. Then what? Then they go, then they go play the first place team. Then they go play the first place team. So then they play the Bucks. So they're vying for the opportunity to get their brains beat in by the Bucks. Uh, okay then. Uh, because then you go to the playoffs, it doesn't it doesn't show that even though it's they they're not doing a very good job on this page. So so they're they're going to end up with uh, two teams coming out of this, right? There's a uh, because they'll be they play the winner of uh, one of the games, and is there two teams coming out of this, this play-in or one? Because there is one in each division, right? There has to be one in each division. Yeah, I think so. It's uh it's kind of yeah, weird. I don't I, honestly. I don't think anybody cares, and you saw what <laughs> Dallas did. They said we we'd rather be in the lottery than the play-in, so they pulled all their guys out of the uh, last few games. Really? Wow. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. The old uh, all, all their good players sat, and, uh, and so so the, and the other guys tanked. are so- and, and and of course you you got their. Uh, coach uh, Jason Kidd up there saying, "Yeah, but the guys who were here were playing to win um, because uh, yeah. they have to. They, you know, they have to because the the NBA does not like this look." Well, I mean, uh, I what if they did win? They were going to cut them all, or what? <laughs> yeah, I'll probably fire Jason Kidd. Yeah, well, uh, who's the? Uh, you know, but it you know it's it, it's sort of like uh, you know what what happened in, when Houston won their last game of the year. Yeah, <laughs> is Lovey Smith going to get a statue at the new Bears Stadium for 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 getting them the first round draft pick or the uh, number one pick in the draft? Uh, no, not exactly. Yeah, Lo- Lo- Lovey keeps paying off for the Bears, though. You know, he did yeah. a, a fairly decent job with them, and then uh, then he did a really nice job on that last week with Houston. That is uh, that is that's something. What uh, Kevin? We've been uh, inching around, and and uh, you know, if we, if we hear from Mike. Uh, but kind of inching around on just how much of uh, you know a, a, a country like the U.S., which wants to be, even though people keep saying, you know, what are we doing this for? What are we paying for this? The fact is, we've we have we have felt. Uh, I mean, there's been. Remember when again we were in college, Kevin? There, one of the history classes, they there was a remember the term called the 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 Pax Romana. Uh, was it was a peace in the world for how many centuries? You know, there was still stuff going on. I was never not a war someplace, but basically, somewhat peace in the world for a couple of centuries because of the Roman Empire kept their thumb on everybody. And there were people who were saying that the reason why there has been pretty much not major conflicts in the world, although if you're getting yourself drilled over in Ukraine, it's major enough. Uh, 
is because the U.S. has essentially kept everybody else in line, and and we're not. When I say in line, there's most of it's monetarily. We also had the best military and all that stuff, and still do, hopefully. Uh, but a lot of it has to do also with economic power, and somehow I I'm surprised. A couple of the clients I've talked to the last couple of weeks do a lot of stuff overseas. You know, I'm getting this constant constant conversation with people that because we're we're basically bleeping our dollar that we're we're losing this economic respect that you almost can't make up for with just planes and tanks because the economic respect is what uh you know you know we even had i mean mike uh mike murphy might call in or if not we'll have mine later in the week his his son was involved over in uh afghanistan essentially you know uh getting favors and stuff from the taliban or to put it in a better way trying to essentially buy off the taliban with hundred dollar bills and uh you know, and, and now all of a sudden we've decided we're going we're gonna to deflate all these $100 bills worldwide, not, on, not to mention, in fact, our own savers here. But it doesn't just affect, you know, a, you know grandma or somebody in here with their money in the bank. Uh, it affects everybody. And I also have just a real stupid question I just thought of. Why is everybody doing all this whining about money coming out of banks and going to money market funds and into T-bills and things like that? The banks aren't paying anybody anything. I mean, it's the biggest cartel going. They're paying don't, something. Don't whine, compete. Yeah, don't whine, compete. I mean, the idea that that you know that somebody's taking their money. I mean, I mean, here at, at uh, PTI we have two clearing firms, you know, IB and uh, RBC. Both have their strengths and weaknesses, but IB's strength is I think I think they're paying. Yeah, I mean, this is not a quote, but I think they're paying three, three and a half on cash here. And at, our, at RBC, we're all those people that have extra money. We're we're, we're getting T bills for them or something, and. Uh, they're paying, you know, close to five. We're paying five. I mean, you know, we're hustling to get people. Why, why would anybody leave their money across the street in Harris for zero? And then Harris is whining. People are taking their money out. I mean, what, what don't they get here? What, what am I missing? Oh, uh, they're just feeling entitled. Yeah, I guess it's a... Uh, what are we going to start feeling entitled? I'm entitled. What am I entitled to? Nothing. <laughs> I, I would like to think of something pithy, but nothing comes to mind. Oh, yeah, so, you, you know, you, you just you, you'll, you'll get nothing and like it. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll get nothing and like it. Was it Spalding? Was the guy's name right? Yeah. Um, so, man, but the back to my original question before I wandered off, what the, this this economic stuff we're doing to ourselves, it, but we're taking a lot of other people with us, and, and I and I, I agree that we're still, you know, the the prettiest girl on the ugly black. In terms of our dollar being better than you know the rule on or something, but that's that's kind of no way to live, <laughs> you know, to 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 not not brush your teeth because nobody else is brushing theirs. I mean, you know, that's not the way I want to live. I mean, well, we- it, because because we are becoming less and less um, the ally that's in other countries' best interests. Yeah, and, yeah, we are not a reliable uh, ally. Hi there, Michael. I, Good morning, right. fellas. Those dulcet tones sounds like Mike Murphy. Yes, sir, it is. Um, so we were kind of hoping you'd pop in because I was going to lead into some of the stuff that you are. are uh, but why? Why all of a sudden? You know, Mike. Though, if you go back in history, nobody wanted it. the isolationists in uh, the 30s and the 20s. They were way stronger than they are now. I mean, in, uh, but then again, we got attacked. But how? How do we kind of go back and forth on this to where we want to be not only the uh, the good soldier in the world, we want to be 
kind of the good leader in the world, and all of a sudden nobody cares. We don't want to lead ourselves. I mean, how does this go back and forth? It just, but the military stuff kind of goes right with it. It's like the, the dog and the, and the tail wagging at the same time. Well, you, you said it within the last five minutes, Tom. We're doing all of this to ourselves. You know, the, uh, and I know you don't like to bring politics into this, but the Biden administration is allowing the United States to weaken, and we are losing our preeminence in the world. Well, the, re- the reason why I, I don't do the politics so much is what, what uh, and I'll blame Carl for this, because um, I, I used to think that way too, Mike. And until, but Carl had me has me looking at like twenty-year pieces of paper instead of two-year pieces of paper. And if you look at the twenty-year pieces of paper, you almost can't tell who who, who comes into the presidency and who doesn't. I mean, it, it, well, you know that may be. Uh, I'm not sure about that, Tom. Look at what happened during the Obama administration. We essentially gave Crimea to the Russians because we didn't react. And, you know, and Obama had red lines in Syria. Well, he allowed those red lines to be crossed. Now, granted, Trump was really, I would call him an isolationist. And, uh, but he was not afraid to wave the bully stick. And now we have Biden and all of these guys can see the weakness. I mean, the guy, you're lucky if he comes out of the White House to do anything. Yeah. And, you know, and he can hardly walk. Well, but Mike, when, when Obama, where, where, was, where was the mistake? Saying that there was a red line? Or, I mean, I, I, can't, I sort of can't imagine in today's world the president saying there's a red line here, and then all of a sudden they cross the line, and the next day coming out and say, well... Looks like we're going to war in Syria. By the way, uh, there's a draft starting next week. I, I think that goes over like a fart in church. Well, you're right about that. But, you know, until we, until our society accepts that, and they never will, I mean, whether it's a, a Pax Americana or we're the superpower, as you have alluded to, we, we just are allowing ourselves to be uh, overridden by the bullies in the world, whether it's Putin, and now you have Xi trying to do his thing on Taiwan. What will we do if the Chinese invade Taiwan? You know, I can't imagine us. I think you've talked about it already, or maybe it's in the actually it's in the leaks that just occurred this week. You know that. We don't have enough air defense, or Ukraine doesn't have enough air defense if, uh, weaponry, not weaponry, but ammunition to last through an offensive in May. So the Russians could go wild, you know, in the summertime bombing uh, Ukraine because they'll still have, or they do have, air superiority. Yeah, so there's, I, I think there's two angles in here. So we've, we've talked a lot, especially before you came on, Mike, about the, uh, the economic impact uh, you know, worldwide. But you're also talking about playing the chessboard. Um, and, and, and I think that's, you know, that's where we're really breaking down now. And, and you know, the, the question is what's on the table and what isn't on the table. Uh, you can look at, for as an example, you can look at China and you can say, you know, if they invade Taiwan, are we gonna are we gonna put soldiers there? Are we gonna, you know, are, are we gonna start uh, sh- 
you know, throw, lobbing bombs at the Chinese. Uh, well, that would be kind of crazy at the same time that we maintain most favored nation status with them. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it, it is a, you, okay, how about we lead with that? You know, we we can it, it, we may be undermining our, uh, our our economic effectiveness, but it's still a thing, and it's still important to the Chinese. And so, you know, why don't we? It, it, and it's it's the same thing we've done with Russia. We've we've allowed them to have uh, you know better uh, better cash flow with oil because of what we have done with oil on you know domestic production. And it, I, I just think we're we're so at cross purposes with ourselves, um, and 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 maybe there's a, maybe there's a whole long run. You know, maybe I'm just way off base, and clean energy is where we should be going, and in the long run, and it makes all kinds of sense. We ain't there yet. Well, we're not going to be there for a long time, and yet we're saying, well, we're gonna we're gonna cut fossil fuel development because uh, we think that'll accelerate the process. You're gonna accelerate it from 20 years to 18. Good job. Well, I think, uh, and Mike probably, uh, will, we we would not have won. Well, we, I think we probably don't. We don't won eventually. If it wasn't for George Marshall, what do you think World War II would have cost in terms of people and in terms of money, Mike? More than it did. If it was, there wasn't somebody who somehow figured out early on in the '30s, actually, when he learned it when he was in Texas. I don't know if you ever read his autobiography, Mike, but it's pretty interesting. Uh, that if, if you can't find a way to get the soldier, the gun, the bullet, the food, the toilet paper, the shoes, and everything all in the same spot, your people are ineffective and more people are going to die than should die. And, he, and that was his philosophy, and that's how, that's sort of how we we had less casualties, and well, we, because we had some major screw-ups. I mean, Normandy, we, we totally screwed up compared to the British, and you probably studied that, Mike, where... They had way better equipment landing on the beach than we did, and we told them we didn't want their equipment, even though they offered it to us. I mean, we had major, major leadership bleep-ups, but because we always had better equipment, more bullets, our guys would go into battle with 100 bullets, the other guys would go in with 10, and, you know, in the Japanese side. I mean, a lot of it, it's, it's all, there's no, there's no sort of coordination here, and I don't know why that is. I mean, I, is, it, is it the skill set to get an office? I mean, read the election here in Chicago. The skill set to get an office so totally different than the skill set you want in office. I mean, when I was reading, I sent it to you guys, the part about the uh, electrical grid. How many people are whining and fighting about clean energy versus other? I was reading that the, right now we have, the capacity is, what, 2,000 gazillionites or whatever, whatever electricity is, to put on the grid, and, and the grid can only handle 1,200. Well... We can't have no grid if, if you're encouraging people to put up windmills and God knows what else, and all of a sudden they can't send it anywhere. There needs to be some sort of coordination, and I don't see it anywhere. Do you guys? No, and, uh, you, you know, Tom, you're talking about uh, Marshall, and it was his genius that rescued Europe after the war, right. too. So without him, you know, Europe is still could still have been on, on its knees. He had the foresight and the vision to... Uh, you know, keep lending money to the Europeans. And actually, we gave more money to the Brits than we did to the Germans, but, you know, the Labor Party in Britain kind of uh, threw that away. Mike, who was the guy that originally was in charge of the after-war, whatever you want to call it, after-war activities when 
when Marshall was over trying trying to uh, get a peace between Chiang Kai-shek and Mao Zedong, which had to be the worst job anybody ever got, because those two guys that that was not happening. But there was somebody was it Morgenthau? Somebody was in the middle that, that Marshall ended up saving because the guy whoever was there was doing a horrible job. Who was that? You remember? I, it might have been Tom. That name comes to mind, but I'm not sure. All I know is you know. Once Truman gave the job to Marshall, it, it really, it really helped. And actually, Berlin was, res, you know, they put Berlin under a military, I forget the term, but it was Lucius Clay because it was Clay Kasern is in Berlin, and that guy did a good job too. He was a uh, two-star general, I think. But well, the, the, I mean, Marshall was—he had the vision, just as you said. Well, he had a, we had, I mean, I wonder if Matty Weber can find it. I don't know, maybe Matt Byrne can, but way early in the show, and if we can find it, we should we should re- replay this interview. Yeah. Uh, Chris Manns found a lady and was in Minnesota. Mike and Kevin, she had to be, she was in her 90s then. Uh, but she was like 20 years old, and she rode with Marshall and the Marshall Plan, going from town to town. Wow. And you could, could sort of barely understand her just before we had the Zoom. But I said, everybody has this, this vision that everybody was kind of, uh, you know, together. They just needed this, needed that. And Marshall all of a sudden miraculously got all of stuff. She goes, that's all. <laughs> she goes, none of that's true. She goes, every town was a disaster. Gangs running around, no food, people stealing stuff. She goes, every, every town was, was a total fiasco. You had to go town to town to town and make sure that you, you, you had some government back in there. You had schools reopen. They were all they were all busted up. So th- to get all that together was was a massive undertaking in every place. I mean, do you, do you have you probably have more knowledge of that than me, Mike? But it didn't just take two months. It took like a long time, didn't it? Oh no, it took uh, a long time. I mean, it it wasn't until I think. Uh when Conrad Adenauer, it was in the mid-50s when he was elected in Germany that they finally had a decent government. And I had a woman that taught me at the Defense Language Institute who had walked from uh, uh, Western, then Czechoslovakia, to uh, back into Germany. Um, and then she eventually emigrated to the United States but they did not want to live under the Soviet Union, under the yoke of the Soviet Union. So they got out. They actually walked out. And then she ended up teaching me German at uh, the Defense Language Institute in Monterey. Those people were built as sturdy stuff. Oh, they were. And then I had another guy that had, uh, my first teacher there, had been also in the war. And he was a tough cookie, too. The, uh, but I mean, it took... How did they ever? I mean, did, was did the military have to come in and, and and? Yeah, the military was in charge in Germany for quite a while. I think at least until the early fifties. So they would have to go up almost town to town and say, "We're electing a sheriff. You guys got to stop stealing stuff." I mean, how did that even happen? It was it was like the South Side in Chicago? Right. Well, I mean, remember the Germany was split into the zones, and yeah. you had the Soviet zone, you had the French, uh, the British, and the U.S. And uh, in Eastern Germany, it, I mean, it kind of recovered under the Soviets, but the Soviets took almost anything of value out of Germany as uh, war reparations. The British, French, and we 
help actually helped the Germans. So, and, and the same thing happened within Berlin. It, you know, you had the different sectors there too, and you can, when you go to Berlin, you can see the difference in the sectors. Uh, it, it it was amazing to us how much better the West, well, West Berlin was than East Berlin. Well, did you ever read uh I don't know what the first one was, but the Eric Lustbader novels, uh, Ninja and White Ninja. Oh, so he's no, got, I can't say that I did. Well, the, the first one is a uh, is a good read. I don't, I don't know which one I have. I have, of course, at home buried up. I'm catching dust, dust but um, the the guy, the, the hero of the book, his father was a colonel that was in, not in. He was pretty much in charge of the uh, rebuilding effort in Japan, and and it's the first time I ever really heard about that, but. That was a massive effort as well, wasn't it? It took years. That's correct, and that's. Uh, I think MacArthur made some money on that. I mean, he he did a good job there too in the recovery. Yeah, he uh, he, he he alternated between being a goofball and, and doing well. He had he was sort of a what would you call it? He he did a good job in places, then he was a buffoon in places too, wasn't he? Well, he, he had political aspirations that uh, he should have just forgotten about. That's one thing about Marshall. He was smart enough to just, okay, I'll do my job and I'll let somebody else be the politician. Yeah, he, that that book about him, uh, Mike, would be a huge read for you because he 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 he, he learned things the hard way. He was a VMI guy, right? Uh, he, yes, he that's was, correct. But he went on a uh, in one of the, the wars against Pancho Villa. This is like in the the teens. They sent him out to to. Uh, with some to go get the guy, you know, Pancho Villa's raiders or whatever along the Rio Grande. So these guys go out on horseback, right? And he said they were out there for like 30 days. They came back, and he said even though they were in tip-top shape, everybody lost like 25 pounds. And he goes, never again was he going to lead anybody any place without supply of the supply line and without any kind of intelligence about where the guy he was chasing actually was. He's a, he's a, they wandered around this Texas desert for like a month, didn't see anybody, and said, the hell with this, and came back. But everything, everything, the guy's all in bad shape. The horse is in bad shape. He goes, this was a disaster because I'm never going to do this again, and he never did. Right. Hey, uh, before you cut off for the break, uh, Kevin, when, uh, Notre, or when UVA comes up to play Notre Dame in baseball, try to go see the games. I just went to a game yesterday. They beat uh, Richmond, actually, 18 to zip. They had two grand slams in the game. Their pitching was unbelievable. And right now, they're 27-4. and four. So they should be in the NCAAs, and they might be worth a watch if you're interested in college. Yeah, I, I would be. Are there guys uh, that are uh, specifically I should be out to see? Do they have any hot draft picks uh, uh, type of Well, guys? there's a guy, Geloff, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago when they made it to the College World Series, he and his brother were playing. Well, he just broke the record for uh, home runs for UVA, so he's one. He's the third baseman. Their shortstop was good. Their center fielder made a couple of good plays, and they have some good pitching. Because Brian O'Connor always kind of comes up with a good team about every three or four years, and I think yeah, he was uh, he was an assistant at Notre Dame for a while. In fact, yeah, I know. Uh, and in fact, he, he, I think he go. left. Well, right. I, I think he left. Um, you know, right? Uh, like, and and then a year later or so, Maneri took the uh, LSU job. Uh, whereas if he would, if he hadn't left, he probably would have been promoted uh, to the um, the head coach job. Are the Irish no, any, you're right, you know. but he's got a great gig at UVA. So are the Irish any good, or did you sentence 
Kevin and Ron uh, watching ass. They're whooping. okay, but they were better last year. Uh, they, you know, they had some guys move on, so they're they're sort of in that uh, as Mike described for uh, um, Virginia uh, is that you know they'll rise up and they'll have some really good teams every few years, and then they can be competitive the rest of the time. Um, ACC is a really really good baseball league, so uh, a lot of good teams come through. Um, the question is, are we going to get them on a nice day when I want to sit in the baseball stadium? Because I'll, I'll go spur of the moment. You know, if there was a day like today and it was this weekend, there's a game. I'll, you know, I'll look at the schedule, say it's nice out. I wonder what's going on over at campus. Kevin, who's the Notre- whether it's going to watch a baseball game or a lacrosse game or a, a softball game, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Who's the guy um, that uh, Pat Hughes was talking about? Somebody there's a Notre Dame player who's either in the Cubs minor leagues or in one of the teams that they. We're playing well, Trey right. Mancini's on their team. He's a Notre Dame guy. Okay, but is that the guy? All right, that must be the dude. Yeah, right. he's a veteran, though. He's you know he's He's been around a long time. All right, well, uh, we'll that good hitter from last year might be in the Cubs system. I forget. The big heavyset guy. Yeah, it's the, was he third oh, base, first base? Yeah, player? I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his yeah, name off the top of my head. But, yeah, there's uh, um, they've put a lot. They've got a lot of guys knocking around the pros. That guy looked like Ron Say. Didn't he? You don't. You don't say. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Thank you, Kevin. We'll talk talk at you Friday. Who knows? Maybe Mike as well. SP Futures up six. Nasdaq Futures up nine. We're trying to inch up ahead of this number. We'll be right back with the professor Russell Rhodes. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. 
708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I didn't want to be an innovator. I just wanted to make the quick and easy buck. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Ed Burn on the board. SP Futures up five. NSA Futures up six. We're trying to starting to walk up here a little bit ahead of this CPI number. So uh, did you uh, play that intro just for Russell? He didn't <laughs> want to be an innovator. He just wanted to make an easy buck. Then he became a professor. What can I say? It just it, it fits. Yeah. Just want to make an easy buck. That's that. That's that. Professor Russell. Uh, that's the mentality of yeah. every teacher yeah. in this in this United States. Yes, yeah, so that's the mentality of every teacher. <laughs> They're in it for the money. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, get me in the union. Oh God. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised you guys aren't. Uh, all, all the. Uh, God, I guess I could I could ask this question. Are mm-hmm. are your uh, graduate assistants and so forth in Indiana? Are they are they trying to unionize? They did at Chicago. I don't know. I remember when they did that at Loyola. Um, I actually benefited from that um, because I was uh, I was adjunct at Lo- Loyola at the time, and the adjuncts, uh, you know, threw a big fit about how underpaid you are. But you're not an adjunct professor to make money. You're an adjunct professor. It, it's it's practically like a volunteer type job. Mm. So, and every, I think if, if I remember correctly, um, the business school was the only department where the um, adjuncts voted not to join the union. <laughs> but, you know, they unionized. And um, again, we benefited from like the small bump in what you got paid per class. So I benefited from it, but I was not a member. And we're talking about like an extra $1,000 per class. We're not talking about money at all. Even though uh, Russell knows I love him like a brother, uh, once in a while I really got to give him some grief. You, 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 you just sounded like a uh, an owner of like an NBA team or a baseball team where the players should be in it for the sport and you're in it for the business. <laughs> yeah. Just just saying. My uh, yeah. my buddy, uh, uh, I don't know what the deal was at Loyola, but uh, the, the late uh, Bob Golden used to come on the show as our tax expert and uh there's a guy you would have loved to have met russell just a real real nice guy but he was uh he got his law degree and his cpa and kind of dropped into this uh international tax thing <laughs> mm-hmm. you know where i'm going with this uh i think he might have been one of the inventors of the double dutch sandwich or whatever <laughs> you know the, the ways where you you know the, you move the move the country company overseas and there's no you know you pay three percent in ireland and what was the story that the Starbucks paid uh, all their taxes as if they were in Holland, meaning the Dutch sandwich, even though all the, the Starbucks stores were in London, mm. so they were paying like two percent instead of wh- whatever. Well, Bob mm-hmm. ends up, and you know he did pretty well, and I guess he retired well, and I, I never asked. Uh, I was so disappointed when he died, for God's sake. Anyway, um, he was an adjunct professor at Notre Dame, and. Mm-hmm. And he said they, they called him and they said, hey, would you do a, uh, a, a course on international taxation? But, of course, there's no book on that, right? I mean, if, I mean if there was, yeah. there's, there's 50 people in the best firms that probably could explain it to you. I couldn't. Uh, that's why I used to have Bob on. Uh, and 
he said it took him I don't know how many hours to put a course together, a graduate course. And he ended up, he said, you know, I got enough dough, so I'm not worried about it. He said, plus I like the idea that I can have a faculty, a faculty card where I could park for the football game. <laughs> yeah, so I could park right by the stadium. So it's not all bad. I think he said the, the first year, he goes, it took him how many hundred hours to put the course together with all the research he had to do with all the laws in all the different countries, which, you know, some of it he knew when he was, he had to go refresh himself. I think his first year, he made fifteen hundred bucks. But yeah. I, I think he was teaching thirty students, twenty-five students that were paying five grand a class. I mean, I don't know if union was the answer. M- maybe, a, maybe a shotgun, but something's wrong there. <laughs> I'm just yeah. just saying something's no, wrong there. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know what they get paid here. I know it's not. It, again, it's not something that you do to 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 live. Well, right. Typically, it, typically, typically, you would do it um, with the intent of, of kind of doing like I've done in you know, in my, I consider myself like semi-retired in reality. Okay, uh, which is which is funny because I well, you got three um, jobs. I have th- I have three big consulting clients, and I you know teach eight classes a year. And you're still this writing. Is semi-retired for me. Yeah, but the way, but the only way that you could really work into a like. A, a, a full-time clinical type of job is if you have experience because we'll get you know you'll get 200 resumes a year of guys that think teaching college would be fun and if you haven't if you've never done it anywhere you just get tossed aside immediately Um, so the only way only way you can really break into it and here's career advice for people who think that you know later later in their life they'd like to you know be a full-time clinical professor somewhere um you got to, it's like a terrible catch 22. You got to get experience somewhere. Um, and then, then kind of work your way up to, to some sort of a full time job. So I think that carrot is one of the ways they're able to pay people nothing to be adjuncts. Well, I think, but it, it's, I don't, to a certain extent, to get yourself rolling is fine. But it, it, to me, <laughs> there, there's somewhat of a, there's somewhat of a, a line here somewhere between, wait a minute, you just, you just made, Hundred and fifty grand on this class, and, and you gave me fifteen hundred. I mean, I mean yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not. I mean, there there is something that says I'm giving you an opportunity to get yourself on the page and do a good job and be be known. I, I get that part. So maybe it uh-huh. shouldn't be fifty grand for a class, but fifteen hundred. I mean, there, there there's some. I'm giving you an opportunity to play shortstop for the Cubs. Really? How much are those tickets? <laughs> you, know I mean? and there, you know what I'm saying? There's a there's a middle ground there someplace. Yeah. I, no, there there is. I, I I totally agree with that. I mean, again, it it I I don't have to worry about that. I never really. You know, I had another full time job when I was adjuncting at Loyola or yeah. Benedictine or Carthage or UIC. Those are all the places I taught before Iowa or Iowa. Good Lord, Indiana. So if you're um, if you if you can't really teach until you've taught before, are you a uh, proponent of the idea you shouldn't shouldn't have sex until you had it before? Of course. Especially, especially with teenage daughters at home. <laughs> My uncle used to say, "You should never drive the Ryan until you drove it before." And I go, "Wait a minute! <laughs> How do you ever drive it then? Well, then you don't. That's a, the whole point." Well, but, probably, probably not a bad idea. Probably not a, a bad idea. People to get on the Ryan. Ah, so, what are you making of a uh, um, <laughs> today's uh, number? And what's what's going down? What are you? Uh, what do you think of the bump uh, the last couple of weeks in the? Uh, the Fed uh, balance sheet, which is actually starting to come down again a little bit the last couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. uh, did you ever think they'd put four hundred billion in and 
in two weeks just to, to save a bank that by the way I wish if you would, they if they think they've got to they'll do anything yeah I wish no, you were I mean, with us the other night. You know what? There, it, it's you, you. You said, "Did you ever think?" Um, I've stopped trying to guess what what the reaction to different things might be. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it, no, I just don't, and it goes it, it goes well beyond the Fed and everything else. And I'm 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 old. I'm a little scared of the world, and and I'm confused. And oh my God! You know, but doesn't it? I, I don't. I don't understand about half of what's going on around me, and. And, and I think, uh, yeah, I I got to go. I got to go to the bar last night with a bunch of my students. Cool. <laughs> Did you pick up the tab? And, uh, t- and, and actually, I said a bunch of my students. It was a bunch of uh, guys that were 21, 22 years old that had recently graduated. And I've never been around a more pessimistic bunch in my life. Oh wow! Oh god! I wasn't invited. Yeah, I, 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 I would cheered them up. Could I? Would I have cheered yeah. them up? Well, I mean, one of, one of them was a, a student that helped me with a few things last year, and he graduated. And I said, you know what, where, where are you at with, with the job search? Said, well, I think, I think I'll get around to it eventually. No rush. Um, he goes, I've got a whole lot of really cool lawn care tools, so I'm just going to do yards this summer and see where things go. Guy's got a finance degree. Oh, good. Oh, man. <laughs> but, and, yeah, it, it was about everything. You should hear him talk about dating. It's, it's, <laughs> it'll be amazing if the next generation has any children at all listening to these guys. Oh, yeah. It's, uh... In my generation, <laughs> we're not big on that for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, there's no rush. I, yeah. My first kid came along when I was 38, something like that. Mm. 37. That's that's perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, most guys uh, don't. I'm, I'm a little 16. bit more grown up. I'm a little bit more grown up. Maybe not fully grown up at that time, but a heck of a lot better than I would have been at 27. I I think some of it comes down to uh, Russell when your girlfriend, then maybe then wife. Reaches thirty thirty one, and her sisters all have a kid, and she loves the little oh, babies. Yeah. And then it, yeah. it's really not your schedule, if you kind of know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that was part of what I was. Uh, that, that's part of what the guys were complaining about as well. Is they felt like they got no control whatsoever over anything. Well, <laughs> you know, and and they, they they were like, and and I know the second that that I get married and my wife has a couple of kids that that they're going to care less about me anymore. They're just going to kick me to the curb. Well, it's. I think they, they, I, they, they, the the pessimism out of these guys was very discouraging. Are they? What are, what are they? Are they into sports and stuff and everything? Or they don't? don't they don't do they much. Yeah, yeah, they are. They, they are. They were. We were. You know, they had the NBA games on in the background. And they were kicking that around. So, I mean, they're yeah. not. They're not playing. They were normal. They were. They, you know, they, they would have been. They were me uh, thirty years ago. The difference between, with, uh, the, except, with the exception of the world, just kind of sucks for them. Well, it didn't. Uh, wasn't exactly a box of cherries for us either. I mean, I didn't no, think. not really. But I don't know. I, I felt like I felt like we at least had more hope. Yeah, I I, I always thought we did. Yeah. I the thing yeah. of it is, we we were uh, we we burned off a lot of this aggression because we played. Yeah. I mean, I I played sports four nights a week, no matter what. I mean, it was mm-hmm. so. It was, no matter how bad you felt about the world, nothing nothing like a good softball game and getting a double that made you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I was very fortunate. Um, it's going to sound just so kind of out of left field, but I was very fortunate to be in high school when Reagan got elected. When we, you know, whereas I think if I was ten years older and and you know kind of matured around Ford and Carter and that kind of thing, with all the with with all the goofiness in the world. Um, we seem to with Reagan. We seem to have some stability and some world leadership, and we haven't had that 
in in a while, for sure. Well, you sure uh, did. If you were to, to go back and to go back to what you guys were talking about, this is really where I wanted to go. Um, to go back to what you guys were talking about um, when I was listening in the first hour, um, it, just about the state of the world and the lack of U.S. leadership. And, and I know we we you know we're, we're stocks and jocks, but we try and we tried and we tried not to be too much politics wise. But I was listening to a uh, you know a strategist talk about our place in the world, and he said it goes back to. It can go back. It goes back to Obama. That apparently Obama just didn't really communicate that much with uh, other countries. That you know we're and and then Trump was Trump, and now Biden's a lot, like we're the, we're on the third one that's a lack of global leadership, and and we're seeing the um, you know we're seeing the repercussions from that. Well, uh, two things you've just said here are amazing, distur- disturbing to me. Not not that you said mm-hmm. them, but. Uh, when you talk about how you are constantly surprised by some of the economic reaction, and you're an economic historian, you're not as much of a mm-hmm. monetarist as I am, but you're somewhat of one, and you you know a lot of this. A lot of what happens, you know, bad things happen, hurricanes happen, whatever. Uh, maybe even mm-hmm. pandemics happen. There. You should you should not be surprised by the reaction. Are they making it up as they go along? I mean, if you read enough history, every economic solution has been tried before, in in in, in problem circumstances and other circumstances. You should be able to reach back in your or else do some research and say, hey, these these mopes did this in 1750 in this country. It didn't work or it did work. Mm-hmm. I mean, economics doesn't change. People don't change. So, right. I mean, the fact that you are surprised by by something happening, I there's two bank runs, and all of a sudden there's $400 billion around more available off the balance sheet. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that you, you are sh- – well, I was shocked at the fact – but you're a professor – that you're shocked by no, that. No, I'm not, I'm not overly surprised. I'm not surprised. I said nothing really surprises me this day and age in, um, in, in the, the constant overreactions – to, to anything that looks like it might be a crisis, which that bank thing is not a crisis. Well, you you, know? you uh, it, it's it's a couple of very company specific. I know that the macro environment was not all that good, and higher interest rates, you know, led to what ended up happening at Silicon Valley Bank. But Silicon Valley Bank was just, you know, I'm going to use the, it, it was stupidity, um, which which is the best word for it. But you know, to be professional, I'm just going to say it was it was mismanaged. And their risk was mismanaged, but not all the banks are out there in the same trouble. There, there are some that that have similar issues, but as long as you know they, the, as long as withdrawals continue to to not accelerate, uh, they're kind of okay. Hopefully, they've they've had an eye-opening experience with the Silicon Valley Bank thing and have um, gotten themselves in a much better place. We, uh, you uh, should as have far, uh... as far as liquidity goes. Normally, I wouldn't say it would be worth it for you to hop in your private jet. You should have done that Monday night and come up because I had dinner with a couple of people. Actually, two and a half people. A lady and her little daughter, she's a doll, uh, and, a, mm-hmm. and, a, and a third person who shall go nameless. Uh, but mm-hmm. shall we say he, he knows a lot of what's going on in the world. Uh, brilliant economist. Um, sort of like you, uh, but he's more, more of a international clearing kind of guy. Uh, anyway, but we're talking about this 
the the lack of any kind of we talk about regulation and regulation you know comes down on a ton of bricks and you know the small bank or somebody they're all over these people the the irregularities because everybody knows Steph Koenig was in the air for a while um, until she became a mom and she couldn't do it anymore but she's terrific very brilliant lady so we, we were talking and and she's like you know it seems a little fishy why why were these if she was going right where I would have gone she, she says why were all these people required by who exactly to have the, the deposits that big in a bank that size I mean was was the bank acting as an investment advisor or did they did they get people the money what, what, who was somehow between this was a Thiel guy and all, why why was Roku required to have 50 million dollars in one bank that I mean What's the connection, and 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 how untoward? They said the it has to be so unusual that if the Fed had any brain looking, they're supposed to look at stuff. Russell, you and I can look at stuff from ten years ago that was a problem. You you can't constantly mm-hmm. keep chasing keep chasing the horse that's out of the barn. You got you got to look at the horse that's in the barn. And it, now they must have known that the, the, this particular bank was set up in a very odd way. I mean, no, nobody has, I don't think, 12% of the money. I don't know if they did. I, I, you're giving them a lot of credit there. And, and one of the things um, with with the regulatory environment is the, the, the people that are really good that work for the Fed, uh, and I know people that have done this that work for the Fed and you know keep an eye on banks, the really smart ones um, end up moving over to private industry because they can do a lot better. Well, I guess... So, it, so I, I don't necessarily know if, if they really do have that ability. But, Russell, on, on, on an intellectual basis, mm-hmm. here's, here's how you and I go to d- different levels of the chessboard. On an intellectual basis, which you're always on that level, do we have people smart enough? I would hope that anybody who's in that industry that just casually looks at a list of 100 banks and says, wait a minute, these guys only got only 12% of their money's insured? Who are, who are their depositors? Why, why are they so big? There's, there's no other... There's no other bank that size anywhere that has 30 people with 80, whatever it was, 50% of the deposits. I mean, what's going on there? Why, why are they? And it, it's a curiosity. It's, it's looking at something. Your point is, yes, the, are the people who work for the Fed regulators able to, intellectually able, are we paying them enough to, to essentially sense the next problem and head it off before it gets to your house? Uh, may, maybe the answer is no I'm, on one level of the chessboard but on my level of the chessboard we're paying an awful lot of bleeps to do just that and all of a sudden they don't do it and, and you say that was your job collectively oh man we lost our three best people we lost this we were all working from home I mean at some point Russell you're the mechanic you're supposed to fix the engine that give me a million reasons why you can't do it the rest guy exactly. just left no, I I totally agree. I they you know they're not doing not doing the kind of job they should be doing. That's for sure. And you know you know the the answer is going to be more I regulation. I I don't even think it's like we could uh, point to the individuals who go into the banks. I think it it like you know the whole methodology that they have with respect to uh, checking you know checking on risk. And you know my understanding is the stress test didn't even take into account higher interest rates. Well, I'm going to yeah, lob one out there. And, and I'm the, indivi- the individual that's going in to check on these banks, he's he's not the one that 
that decides what he's supposed to look at. That you know that comes from higher up. Well, I'm going to lab this so, one out there, uh, and this, is, this may look like an artillery shell. The Fed over here, the Fed building in Chicago, mm-hmm. they have it on pretty good authority that most of the people are still working from home. If you, how the hell do you make bank visits and, and keep up on this stuff? I asked a friend of mine when you when you decide to come in, do you still have your office? No, you let them know you're coming in, and they'll have a desk available for you. Mm-hmm. Russell. I want their asses back at work, and I want them looking at these banks like they're supposed to. Oh yeah, no. The the I, I do think part of the breakdown of, of a lot of uh, a lot of things, not just you know the supply chain and everything else, is a result of um, people being at home during work hours. I'm not even going to call it work from home. It you know um, yeah yeah when 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 I first started doing the work from home thing. Uh, you know, back in 2020, I, I quickly was calling it a day at 3 or 3.30 to go watch Judge Judy. I definitely, you know, I, I, my productivity definitely went down. Um, and the, the there's a huge communication breakdown, too, when everybody's scattered all over the place. Well, you're so supposed I, to be I identifying... Do think, I do think I, I do think more and more people need to, get, need to be in the office when you're in some sort of critical position that involves you know, monitoring the risk of the financial system or even just the risk of a large financial company. Well, I, I don't... Uh, I mean, to me, to me, the problem is with that bank. I don't, I'm not so sure what you could have done about it, you know, because I don't know... Unless the stuff... I'm going to say that right off the... Right off the I'll, I'll lob this one out there. That there was mm-hmm. some, some issue between raising money... And the people raising the money, owning the bank, making people have deposits there. But I can't, I mean, at PTI, we don't do this. But if I went out and raised money for for uh, Russell's new firm, if you were going to, you know, lend out jets to people or something, whatever you're going to do, if I was involved in that, which I don't do, what, what would possess me to say, geez, Russell, I just raised you $200 million. By the way, you got to keep 190 of it in Lakeside Bank. Why, why would I care where you kept it? I mean, what? What is what does that got to do to me? I mean, what the only reason I can see why you would care where the money is is you know there's a lack of transparency with respect to the private equity world. It, you you kind of have to rely on what companies are telling you, um, and or, and maybe have a person on site once again uh, to to know what's actually going on with the business. Uh, and maybe if you have them bank at you know at your primary bank, it's an easier way for you to keep an eye on what's going on as well. So the bank's that's the only t- that, that's the only logical reason I can come up with, uh, you know, when I hear something like that. So so if I'm a, an officer at the bank or an owner, does does that get me privy to who you're well, writing I, checks to? I'm, I'm talking. To, I'm not necessarily talking about Silicon Valley, but I'm still talking about Silicon yeah. Valley Bank, but I'm not saying that Silicon Valley Bank is the one that says you have to have all your money here. It might be a private equity firm that, you know, SIVB is their main, um, was their main bank, and they had a close enough relationship with that bank that they would have better access to the financial conditions of their private investments if they had the private, you know, if they had those, those firms bank there well, as if well. They, if they give and I understand, and I, I, get, I think there is some logic behind that one. Well, if they gave um, me if they gave me access to your checking account, you just brought up another problem. 
What? Is you taking money out of my checking no, account? No, and I, I'm just saying be able to look at it. I, <laughs> I can't go to Lakeside yeah. and look at your checking account. Not right now. No. no. But if I if I you know if I give you the sign into my app, that's, that's true. You yeah. Can look at all of my stuff. So. Um. Oh God. Uh, hey, we come back. We're gonna we're gonna break here a little early because the CPI is gonna come out and we're gonna go through that. Yay! So, uh, so Matt, why don't you make this a quick break and we'll be right back. I'll Sounds I'll kick up the page. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Owl. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures up 29. NASDAQ is up 110 as the headline num- number came in at 0.1 instead of 0.2. X Food and Energy came in at 0.4, just as what it was supposed to be. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to I'm not gonna go selling any futures here, but I'll tell you, what, there's a big problem with this. We'll talk about it after we're done with this uh, other more mundane what's going on in the world stuff. Actually, you know what? We're going to go right to this because all these numbers from the rest of the world are, are going to be uh, delayed. Sounds good. So why don't you do a quick traffic weather sports, then we'll go right back to the numbers. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's currently 7.32 a.m. on April 12th, 2023. This morning in Chicago, warm weather, 61 degrees currently. Expect sunny skies today and a high of 78. The National Weather Service has put a fire weather warning in effect for Cook County due to, quote, sunny, windy, very dry, and unseasonable warmth. No cookouts for you. None for you. Don't even think about it, uh, which has led to an elevated fire risk. Uh, the warning and the warm weather will come to a close this weekend with a high of 48 degrees. Expect 
expected on Sunday. Yes, that cold front is coming in this weekend. Uh, right now in Phoenix, clear skies, 68 degrees currently, a high of 94 later on. Sunny skies for the current seven-day forecast. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs beat Mariners. Final score, 14-9. Back against each other today at Wrigley. Game starts at 1.20 this afternoon. White Sox lost to Twins, 4-3. Rematch in Minneapolis at 12.10. And Diamondbacks lost against Brewers 7-1. Both are back today against uh, at 2-40. Last night in the NBA play-ins, Hawks beat Heat 116-105. And Lakers went against Timberwolves 108-102. So for now, Chief, back to you. Um, Russell, I don't know if you're looking at these numbers, but the, the mar- market's giddy about it. Up, let's be up 35. NASDAQ up 140. I wonder if this is going to hold. The uh, reason for that being... Uh, I'm looking at the CPI thing right here. Plus, maybe, maybe you can educate me. We have a seasonally adjusted 0.1%, unadjusted 0.3%. How do you how do you seasonally adjust a month-to-month increase or decrease in the CPI? Who the hell does that and why? Wow, you asked me a tough question there right off the top. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I understand on a year-over-year basis, but... You know, I guess that the seasonal adjustment is one of those things that that they implement so that we don't have a, a ziggy zaggy number from like November to December every year. But I mean, I don't, I don't see what when we have a you know when we have a whole lot of more activity in December than November. Well, because I'm, I'm looking uh, right here at the, at the current line here, and again, I mean, this is a very small item here, but it always intrigues me for some reason. I'm looking at uh, uh, rice, pasta, and cornmeal. Mm-hmm. The, the real number, unadjusted number, is 0.6. The adjusted, this is an increase in the month. The unadjusted number, or the adjusted number is 0.2. Who the hell is capable, after some poor guy or lady goes out and gets all these numbers for rice, pasta, and cornmeal and says, they're up 0.6% on the month from last month, the last time I did my survey, and some guy to go, eh, let's make that a 0.2. What, what, why, why does it go up from February to March like that every year then? I, I, but that's what the adjustment means that it's popping. I mean, it, does it become pasta season in March? Do you, do you think <laughs> that somebody actually keeps uh, track I, of, of <laughs> pasta from uh, in, in in March for, from year over year? I mean, why don't you just leave it like we, we don't eat pa- we don't eat pasta in February. We yeah. eat it in March. I, I think somebody is just kind of let them that know. One's, you gotta let, you gotta that, let that's them that's where they saw a bump in the number a few years ago, a couple of years in a row, and they said, "Oh, we got to adjust this." Okay, but the, the, so the, but the real question, and that's, it's not about rice, is if uh-huh. I were to, if I were to ask you, what what are gasoline prices doing? What would you say? They have been coming down, I believe. What do you mean? The last three weeks are up like thirty percent, thirty cents. You know, I'm still not able to drive because of my concussion. So you're you're talking about something that I'm, <laughs> I can't really comment on because I haven't put. I haven't put the gas. I haven't put gas in the car since February. All right, because it's up. Uh, it's I'm up not for, like you. I don't go get it every Sunday. Well, two weeks ago was so. was three sixty four, and last week was three ninety nine. Okay. Well, anyway, so I we would, have we have energy. Unaware on that one. We have energy prices. Uh, so here, here's another one. Energy prices unadjusted. Well, this one they went the other way. Unadjusted are is minus point nine. Adjusted, they got it down. How do they have energy prices down 3.5%? Why would you take the adjustment? That, that's why this number is so good. Is it, It's all in this energy line. And, it, and it's part of this adjustment. I, mean, I, I don't, they adjust it. And, I, mean, well, I mean, you're talking about the March number, and we're a couple of weeks into here. I'm just trying to think yeah. of um, 
Seems like what I'm really trying to think of is when was the I, I was thinking about the OPEC hike. That's what I was thinking you know, too. Where we just got an got an instant adjustment, and I kind of figured that energy might be the upside surprise on this thing. But then uh, I was looking at the timing on all of that, and it came in the second half yeah. of March and worked it. You know, and that probably didn't work its way through until the the last week in March. Well, Carl says so, that the labor is the the key week is the third week, and I'm going to guess like you just stated. That the mm-hmm. OPEC thing came uh, in the in the last week of March, so it, it probably right after it. it. Yeah, yeah. But still, no, I, I I was th- I was trying to you know, I try to think this thing through before it comes out. And energy is always you know the the one where you can look at what the futures market was doing and go, okay, you know how do we how do we back into this one? Is it going to be is it going to be too high or too low? You know, but. Well, I mean, um, I, I, I'm I'm surprised to hear that that was not a strong number. Again, with my the OPEC thing. with my adjusted stuff, my my questions, question, mm-hmm. question. Uh, we can't we can't get the right answers, Russell, until we get the right questions, can we? So okay, yeah. so some 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 poor dweebs uh, went around all month, sampled gasoline all over the country, and decided in the month of March it was up one percent. Okay, mm-hmm. what do you suppose the adjusted number is? Didn't you just say it was a drop? No, no, no I was talking about energy. I'm talking right. about get, now I'm on the right. gasoline line. Oh, the gasoline line? So that it was supposed to be 1%, but adjusted-wise, it was, I assume, lower. Minus 4.7. How the hell? Yeah. Can, how can that even be right. that you would take a a, a, five, a 5.6% adjustment down on gasoline? You would think it's it's got to be the easiest when, sample in the world to get what what are people charging when, for? Get? When do they switch? When do they switch the Chicago blend? And people don't even anybody that doesn't live in Chicago probably most people in Chicago don't know, probably don't know that one either. But um, I'm going to guess when, the uh, start, when they when the weather starts to turn. I'm going to guess this weird couple of weeks where they where the refinery has to switch around um, the the. I don't know how much lead's in the gas or how much bad stuff's in the gas. I'm, but Matt, Matt, way Matt Burn is going to uh, Matt Burn is going to look this up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess mm-hmm. May first. Okay. Yeah, I, I figured. It, I, I I didn't think it was March, but that might explain. That might explain you seeing a big increase in gas prices. Um, which number could be unique to unique to our weird. We have our the Chicago gasoline market is is like a lot of things. It, it's very unique to Chicago. And it's because the uh, the one big refinery that we get all our gasoline from uh, has to switch over uh, based on the weather uh, twice a year, and Matt, uh, that switch o- that switchover can cause a supply yeah. problem. Matt, the question is when when does uh, sh- when do uh, cities require companies to switch over to summer blend gasoline or Chicago? Oh, I see. Uh, you know, there's there's like ten or fifteen different blends for different cities. Yeah, yeah. California has their own thing, and um, it's it's supposed to you know negate air pollution, I guess. Well, it's, they, um, they they take right. some of the because it's hotter. You switch the blend yeah. to hair so it doesn't evaporate as fast. So it's when you have your your your, cap, you. your cap off that it doesn't evaporate mm-hmm. out as fast. Now, if you have a a truck like mine with a leak in the tank, now that that causes even more of a problem. This is according to the uh, Energy Information Administration, that's EIA.gov. Uh, the federally mandated dates for summer grade gasoline and reformulated gasoline uh, are May 1st to September 15th. 
Was I was okay. I spot on on my guess? That's pretty good. <laughs> you were you, you were, were good spot with that, on. Yeah. You've you've lived you've lived in Chicago, the Chicago area for all of your life. Yes. You should know that one. I will you say that's better a, than I know it. May first, September fifteenth for refiners mm-hmm. and terminals, and June first to September fifteenth for gasoline retailers. So, so they get a month to get it through the system. That's right. So you actually have the phenomenon that if there's a, uh, say, a problem, which there always seems to be, and it's probably a little harsh, uh, if you have a problem, say, at the, the Amico, Amico showing my age, the BP refinery in Whiting <laughs> or the one in Bolingbrook or what's the one down in Joliet, there's like three of them. Uh, if you have a, a problem there, Chicago all of a sudden has a problem with getting gasoline, yep. and yet you'll see gasoline trucks like driving through downtown on their way to Wisconsin that can't. They can't stop and, and, and unload at a gas station. It's it's uh, it's kind of a bizarre world, but uh, I, I don't see how you get... I would say out of all the sampling things that you could possibly do, Russell, it's countrywide, the simplest sample, because there's a price on every friggin' gas station, has to oh, be... Oh, yeah, has that's, to be that's, the, that's the number. You don't even have to call anybody. You just get... You, you don't, you, you remember... Uh, you know, um, you know, during during hot housing markets, you'll have like drive by appraisals. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you you can do a drive by survey. You don't even have to get out of the car. But I I don't I don't know why it is. Yeah. I'm I'm I actually am fixated on this. It should be on sports or or something else. That someplace somewhere, if you fly over Washington D.C., there's a desk where some guy has the power to say, Nah, it's not one percent. It's minus four point six. Publish this. Let it go. And I'm I'm dying to find out who that guy is and and who gives yeah. him that and, power. And you know what what what's their motivation to double check that number? I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't I don't. I, get I don't it. think they have one. No, that's exactly my point. Yeah, you know, I don't. I, I don't think they. I really don't think they have one. Well, um, the, the rice the rice I, line. I, why bother? The rice and pasta mm-hmm. line. This one line. Th- this is this is a policy move here. I mean, this this is mm-hmm. this this means you're putting out a number. In my mind, is wrong. Yeah. And and it's feeding through to a bunch of other very important decisions. And I mean, and a guy like you is long so, no, your very, it's, I think the level of detail, the the, the level of um, you know effort that goes into it relative to um, the the use of the number of especially the inflation number in this day and age um, is you know it, there's a big disconnect there. But you got in and, and God, I, I hope that I am correct on this one. Uh, you know, they they said Greenspan would just dig and pour and pour through numbers. You got to figure uh, Greenspan would would look at that number and go, "Well, well that's not right. That's a, that's an anomaly. I'm not reacting to but that." He, but he's not the, he's and, not the and bureau. Hopefully, you know, hopefully Powell is somewhat the same way, or the people giving him advice are somewhat the same way. But he's uh, you know, he's but here here's here's another line, and I'll, I'll this is one of my also my pet peeves is who's who are the people? Somebody who's a Morgan Stanley, somebody, somebody. We talked about it maybe a month ago. Russell, your memory is better than mine. Or maybe Matt's is. Not these days. Didn't somebody say that for the first time ever uh, that rent had busted through, was it 30 or 35% of somebody's paycheck? Yeah, it's it's, it's, on average it's a third of people's incomes now. All right, well, now if you look at this line here, a rent of primary residence. Now, mind you, this number is going up. Uh, what, What do you think? According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, what percentage is it of your basket? When we just said it's 33 and everybody knows it, what do you suppose the number is on this thing? For which, for 
rent of primary resident. What, what's the percentage of? Oh, oh, it's a, it's about fifteen or so, isn't it? Eh. Seven seven point five three. Oh my goodness! This was even weirder. But owners but equivalent, for, you know. But again, that's for the average. There, there are some people, you know, that that's for the average person, and not everybody has rent. You know. Well, owners equivalent rent of primary mm-hmm. residence is twenty four percent. I'm going to say. I don't know that anybody who's bought a house recently that a house is only 24% of their income. Mm. But you know, it, it's, it would be a lot. It, it would be a lot more. No, I can I, I've been looking for I've been looking at buying a place down here. And um and for a secondary place and the secondary place would big, be big uh, enough for the family? The payments would be a big, uh big enough for 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 my spouse and maybe one of the dogs. The kids aren't invited. The kids are not. It's it. My youngest, my my youngest will go to college in two years, and when she goes to college in two years, my wife will start coming down here with me periodically. Now, are you going to be the kind of parents that, as soon as the last one goes to college, you find a place where they no longer have a bedroom? No. We 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 got some pushback on that. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> oh yeah, my buddy. But but, 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 I, but I want my own place to come home to. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that, yeah. especially in today's world. Yeah. Hey, is the is the is the dog you guys are hospicing? Is he still with us? He is still with us. He's going to get checked out um, today. But you know, we we received that dog in August. They said it would that, that you know the same people gave it told us this that calculate some of the CPI numbers. Uh, they yeah. said that the dog had probably had about six months to live. The dog is the healthiest freaking thing ever. Wow, my uh, my brother. Yeah. So it's just great. I you know I love it. We're That's impressive. eight or nine months into the six month puppy hospice. So and well, I I'm kind of happy about it because this dog actually fetches, whereas the other two dogs don't don't do anything like that. So I get to get out in the backyard and throw things around with this dog. Um, so I'm glad we made it to warm weather with her. Well, Audrey's poodle will fetch all day long. The, the Maltese Maggie looks at the poodle going, what in the hell is she doing? Why, why would anybody want to do that? Yeah. But don't, I, don't you understand that they're just going to throw it away from you again? Well, my, my brother got <laughs> willed a, a uh, shepherd collie mix, a shepherd uh, husky mix. And her hips were so bad as a puppy, they said she's only going to last a little while. I think she made it 12 years, and she ended up, her, her, her back end was the skinniest thing, and she just could she hopped along like a, almost like a kangaroo. But her front front was so powerful because she basically got along almost on two. She made it 12 years. She's the sweetest dog. Wow. Uh, the weird part is she had the husky undercoat. She looked just like a shepherd. In the wintertime, she'd run mm-hmm. out and she'd, she'd sleep on the picnic table because she loved the snow. And the snow would land on her and not melt. That's <laughs> 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 scary. Yeah. But uh, anyway, no, so, I mean, I, you, you look at these numbers and you go, what, what, I mean, somebody somewhere... Is saying, oh no, that, that what we just saw on TV at thirty percent—that's not good. Let's make it seven and a half. I mean, Russell, what what are we doing? If we can't even, how can we how can we judge ourselves? You talk about this when we can't even look at the right numbers. We we can't no, even get the money supply we're not, number. We're not. You, you can only make decisions based on the information that you're given. And I I just, you know, the 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 Federal Reserve Board—they've got hundreds of economists working for them. And you gotta assume that th- th- this is what I believe. I really do believe what I'm getting ready to say, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be rolling your eyes at me right now. Um, but I actually do believe that 
uh, the Federal Reserve Board, a lot of the decisions they make are based on the work that they're doing internally and not just these numbers that they release to the public. Uh, next time, I, I, next time you're in town, I'm gonna yeah. have to I'm gonna have to take you out with a couple of guys from the Fed, <laughs> and they'll tell me that that's not true. Uh, I I just I I like to believe that um, you know when you've got what what do they have like four? I feel like the number four hundred of um, you know PhD economists working for the Fed. You got to assume if you got four hundred people, four hundred smart people like that, or book smart people. Yeah. that they're coming up with some decent information that, to help these guys decide what they're going to do. And I do, and I think when they make their decisions, you know, they, they've got a lot more going on um, information-wise than we do with just the, uh, the things that they release to the public. We, we hope that's the case. I do, I, I, you got to believe some of that stuff. Well, here's, here's another line. I mean, I don't know how I would get the price of pasta and, and rice around, but Here's another line that I'm, I'm, it's not a lot. It's only like 1% of what people's basket, well, according to them. Uh, but if somebody traveled a lot, it's probably more than anybody's. This is other lodging away from home, including hotels and motels. And uh, now the unadjusted number is 8.4% in the month. And you've heard about this. Because so many cities of, you know, conventions are coming back a little bit. 8.4% mm-hmm. in the month. Now that should be an easy one. Go on Expedia. Get your sample of hotels you used last month and compare them to this month. I mean, what, what, how, how is this difficult? Mm-hmm. Guess what the adjusted number is? Three point one. So they dropped it. Okay, I almost I was, I I was coming up with a four handle on that one. Three point one. So what? Take half, but that's even lower. So somebody wow. somebody walks into I, mean, I, know, I know I'm being intrigued by this. Somebody walks into you did all this work. I would I wouldn't mm-hmm. not be your boss, but you did all this work and you walk in and you go Tom, here you go. I just I just did the, the hotel line. Jeez, what'd you come up with, Russell? Man, I went through this one. You wouldn't believe the stuff that went up this month. All these places are up. I don't get it, but here's the number. Here's here's 300 hotels I sampled. By the way, the number is 8.4. Eh, eh, we're, not, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to do 3.1. How do you get to 3.1? Why, why not 3.0 or 3.2? Is it just you pull it out of somebody's behind or what? Well, I, I'm going to get you on the, the seasonal adjustment for the March number. That's spring break. Okay. But I, you know, that February to March, I can, I can understand the lodging number and a seasonality adjustment to it. I just can't understand pasta and rice or gasoline. I got well. I can, I can sort of understand gasoline for driving these. Right. So you're telling me now. You know, I mean, I can. Yeah, the price of gas goes up after Memorial Day, um, typically because more people. You know, there's a little bit, a little bit more demand. Right. So if we were to say to Matt Byrne. Put this down in your book. Put it in my book, as they, as they said in The Quiet Man. That somewhere in June, we're going to find a, a lodging away from home that's 3%, and we're going to see the adjusted number that says 8 as we give this back. Because there's got to be a flip back someplace if it's an adjustment. Yeah. yeah. When do you think that's going to be? Um, on which one, gasoline or lodging? Uh, well, the, the lodging. Lodging, I don't know, September. Well, I'll go even... Uh, uh, you know, it, may, it might zigzag. It may zigzag, you know, a little bit lower in April, May, and then pops back up when summer vacation comes along and then pops back down when kids go back to school. I mean, I can, I can get that one, but, I, 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 you know, and there are a ton of line items in that thing, and we've gone through it before. I'll guarantee that 
there's 20% of them that you can make a decent seasonal adjustment argument for, and the other 80% they're doing it because the numbers had a little volatility in them in the past. Well, but how and do that's you, the only reason they're doing it. But how, not, do you, how do you calculate there's not, a, there's not a good causation reason. It's just because the numbers told them to do that. Well, okay. So, I mean, but, but even if you decide there might be an adjustment needed, how do you decide the number? How do you go from 8.6 at make that 3.1? I mean, what, what's the detail on that? I, I think you 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 basically put some sort of type of linear equation in place, and you notice that um, you know that that there seems to be an upside outlier every April for the last ten years. So you you know you push that one down a little bit, and you've got you know a consistent uh, low number in February, and you you bump that one up a bit. And just to get them closer to the line and to smooth out the volatility of the numbers. Well, they, they don't that's all, all they're doing. I they mean, that's that's what they're trying to do there. Well, they don't all go the, the, the same way. I'm making it sound like it's all just a, a way to thring it down. Here's oranges, including tangerines. So there you go. The orange crop. The orange crop, including tangerines. Does that, that include uh, tangelos, too? Um, anyway, the, the, the real number is down 1.5, but they got the positive, they got the adjusted number positive 0.5. Who gives a crap? <laughs> it's pretty close, isn't it? I mean, somebody's sitting there. Ah, you can't. You can't put that one point five number out there. We got to go positive point five. I mean, I, I I'm just kind of curious. Citrus fruits positive point five. We're putting them out as minus point three. So, oranges were were adjusting uh, up, and but but other citrus fruits were adjusting down. Wow. Yeah. Well. I guess that depends on where they come from. Apples, apples were adjusting down. Mm-hmm. This is bizarre. Well, it, you know it, what? We're, we're talking about the adjustments on the numbers, and the thing is, they should. Yeah, it, I'm sure they're doing it because of things that have shown up statistically. But you, don't you think that somebody around the table should say something like, "So why yeah. are we?" <laughs> you know, so why? Well, well, what is the point of this? Hey, I want to get your yeah. opinion. We got a few minutes left. Uh, we've been yep. having a big talk with just about everybody regarding uh, the, inter- the interplay, and you know, Mike was on earlier, the interplay between military power, political power, and economic power. And the economic power, a lot of it has to do, I think, with strength of currency, strength of economy. Um, do you think that our people, well, here's a leading question, do you think that our, our, our people are aware, don't care, maybe just don't even stop to think about it, what the depreciation of a currency. You know, I I agree with the part that other people did the same thing, and we're still the prettiest girl in the ugly in the ugly contest. But uh, I, the idea that um, I have a couple of my would-be clients were talking to me about last week that people overseas are just totally ticked off about the fact that their dollars that they've held for years because that was a safe haven, they now can't buy near as much with it, and they they they're blaming everybody here, which you know, I mean what what. How how much should we read into that? I mean, if if, if I mean you're not from Russia, but if Russell's great grandfather managed to amass fifty hundred dollar bills in Russia because he didn't trust the Russian banks, those fifty hundred dollar bills aren't worth anywhere near as much. What what do you what do you make of that? I mean, is that a, a big deal or not? Well, you know, and, and gosh, I wish you had brought this up at the very beginning instead of the end. Because uh, yeah, everybody's up in arms about the reserve, you know, about the dollar not necessarily being the reserve currency anymore, and I don't have a big problem with that. You know, I, I, I don't think we, I don't think you want that responsibility. 
You know, and and you don't want to have to worry about other you know other parts of the world and the decisions we're making and how is that impacting their economy. You well, know, right. but the same thing happens. Um, so you know, and and so in you know if they're honestly my and I'm starting to say a bad word on the radio, but honestly my my attitude is if they're you know upset about the way our currency's been, the currency's been behaving, um, tough stuff. You know, we we manage things for ourselves, not for you guys. Well, let me let me let me extend the question, and we'll we'll talk about something more fun. But what why why aren't the people here that have that didn't really want to like they're afraid of the stock market or whatever, and you know, with reasons it goes up and it goes down. There's got to be how many people here had a, a million dollars in the bank in cash three years ago, and it's now worth six fifty. I mean, why why aren't they more pissed off? Or they just don't put two and two together? I don't, I, you know, I don't think two and two, I don't think they, well, first off, I do think they're a little pissed off. That's one of the things that I heard from my students last night when I was out at the bar was, you know, that I'm never going to be able to get ahead. That, well, that really was one of the things the guys were complaining about. Oh, they're so right. They're, they're, they're right about that, probably. Yeah. No, they're, I'm never going to be able to get ahead because everything keeps getting more and more expensive. They were, they were asking me, you would have been so proud of these kids. They were asking me about inflation. Well, why didn't you invite me? Uh, you, you didn't want to hang out there. So. Did you pick up it's the tab? Funny, we were, it's funny. We, the place we were at, it was a burger place, and they have $2 burgers on Tuesdays. And I'm sitting with these, these probably 10 guys, and girls keep circling around and saying hi and stuff. And then, then there's like a mingling area in the back, and when they went to the mingling area, I came home. But um, it was, uh, was kind of interesting to watch. Didn't any of the girls have were, like? They were they were upset. They were like, you know, everything's more and more expensive. Why in the world would I want to get married and have kids and spend? You know, I, I want to spend some money on myself. I was hearing that one. Wow. As well. Um, so yeah, it was they 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 they've got no intent on launching anytime soon. So as soon and as I don't blame them. As soon as pops left, then everybody started to mingle. Oh yeah, well yeah. No, they they said, "Come on, we're out. It's time, you know, we pay for our burgers, and now we go back here and hang out." And I'm like, "Nah, I'm I'm, I'm walking home." Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe one of the girls yeah, had. <laughs> actually, actually, I told you, and they were very impressed. I said, "I, you know, I got to get up early. I'm on the radio tomorrow." Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Like, what? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we we, we we certainly never have a loss of things to talk about, do we? No, we do not. We we cover the gamut. I, yeah. I feel like I make the tweet really easy. Well, uh, good luck. When, when you come to town again next time, do you think there's a chance I could see you? I will come downtown again sometime in the near future. I, well, um, I've only got about three or four more weeks that I have to come down here, and then I'll be there on a regular basis. Well, I mean, we could, like, meet for dinner somewhere out in Burbs because Audrey doesn't want to come down here either. But I, I don't blame her at all. We can work something out. All right, bud. Yeah. Take care we'll of yourself. SP Futures up 23 now. Uh, NASDAQ Futures up 98. Still up, but not as much as we were. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. 
Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Suppose you run your business and let me run mine.